What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This Week in China's History October 1st 1841. Zhou Shan, Britain's Forgotten and First Colony in China. Written by James Carter. Published in SubChina. Read for you by John D. Van Fleet. On the morning of September 30th, 1841, 2,600 British soldiers and Marines landed on the island of Zhou Shan just off the coast of Zhejiang province. Supported by barrages from the ships offshore, quote, the advance quickly ascended the hill, end quote, according to one British observer, quote, and gallantly carried everything before them, although a more resolute stand was made by the Chinese than had been previously experienced in any encounter with them, end quote. By 2 p.m. the next day, the Union flag flapped in the Chinese breeze. The very idea seemed unthinkable that Great Britain would occupy a piece of China's territory. But that was what happened. Enabled by the Opium War and part of Britain's quest to establish trade with the Qing Empire on its own terms, British Marines landed on a small island not too far from one of China's major ports and near the mouth of an important river, and pried it away from Qing control. This week in China's history looks back to Britain's other opium war possession in China, not Hong Kong, but the island of Zhoshan, occupied for the second time on October 1st, 1841. Unlike many states in Asia, China itself never became the colony of another nation. It was, however, a victim of imperialism. From the middle of the 19th century to the middle of the 20th, China endured what its leaders came to describe as a century of humiliation. During these hundred years, China found its territory, sovereignty, and international standing undermined, its status as a world power wrecked. The start of this era was the First Opium War, out of which emerged extraterritoriality, the ability for foreigners to live in China and yet be immune to Chinese laws, and colonies. Hong Kong is typically pointed to as the first British colony in China, and while by many measures it was, that dubious distinction needs to be at least shared with Zhou Shan. And though Hong Kong has gone on to be synonymous with the British Empire in Asia, while Zhou Shan is all but forgotten, many British officials at the time felt that their negotiations had blundered by choosing Hong Kong rather than Zhou Shan as the center of their imperial enterprise in China. When the British and Qing empires went to war in 1839, 
The center of the conflict was the area around Canton, i.e. modern-day Guangdong. That was where overseas European trade was based, where Qing official Lin Jieshu had confiscated and destroyed the illegal narcotic, and where British merchants had sought their government's intervention to secure their freedom and also their commercial interests. Hong Kong, an island not far from Canton, had become a British base of operations in the weeks leading up to the conflict and its use for controlling, or at least supervising, trade into and out of Canton and the Pearl River quickly became apparent. But the Pearl River Delta was not the only theater of war. Soon after fighting broke out, Britain sought to blockade Chinese ports, including Ningbo and Zhejiang. As part of the blockade, the British would occupy the island of Joshan, about 10 miles off the coast. After a naval battle involving some 40 vessels, British Marines landed and captured the island's capital, Dinghai, and established a base on the island. As historian Christopher Munn puts it, Joshan was, quote, to serve as the base for the blockade of Ningbo and other vulnerable cities, and as hostage for the diplomatic efforts of the British plenipotentiaries. End quote. And it seemed to do the trick. By January 1841, Qing officials had agreed to cede Hong Kong, reopen trade at Canton, and pay an indemnity to recover Zhoshan. Captain Charles Elliot complied with the agreement and surrendered the island. But the apparent agreement quickly collapsed. Qing authorities reconsidered their position and charged their own negotiator, the Manchu Qishan, with treason for giving Qing territory to its enemies. For their part, the British were just as frustrated with the deal. In no small part, this had to do with Zhoshan. Why? the British leadership asked. Had they surrendered Zhoshan? and retained Hong Kong, rather than the other way around. Numerous reasons recommended Zhoshan over its, now, more famous counterpart to the south. For one thing, Zhoshan is centrally located, on the center of the Chinese coast and near the mouth of its largest river. This more northerly location meant that its climate was much more moderate than tropical Hong Kong though Zhoshan also suffered from outbreaks of malaria and other disease. Finally, although Hong Kong was not the barren rock that British officials sometimes claimed, it was far smaller than Dinghai, the largest city of Zhoshan, which housed nearly 30,000 people in the 1840s. Zhoshan Island itself was some 200 square miles in area, nearly seven times larger than Hong Kong with easier access to Ningbo and the cities of the Yangtze Delta, Hangzhou, Suzhou, Shanghai, Nanjing, and others. With both sides renouncing the peace, war resumed. British warships returned to the Yangtze Delta and set their sights back to the island they had just relinquished. In the amphibious assault described at the start of this column, British forces overwhelmed the Chinese defenders and reoccupied Zhoshan and stayed there for some time. 
the peace treaty that was finally settled in August 1842, in Nanjing, confirmed the cession of Hong Kong as a British colony, along with the opening of five treaty ports, a larger indemnity, and extraterritorial rights. As leverage, the British would occupy Joshan until all of the indemnity had been paid. During this five-year occupation, a movement emerged to change the terms of the treaty and make Joshan, not Hong Kong, a British colony. In his article, The Chushan Episode, Britain's Occupation of a Chinese Island, 1840-1846, historian Mun describes a rapidly growing movement that, quote, saw in Joshan and its people all the qualities the British needed in a Chinese colony and proposed exchanging it for Hong Kong. Chushan's rolling hills and healthy breezes could hardly have provided a more striking contrast to the stark peaks and subtropical insalubrity of Hong Kong. Chushan in the spring, wrote the imperial botanist Robert Fortune on his arrival there in April 1844, is one of the most beautiful islands in the world. It reminds the Englishman of his own native land. End quote. The desire to overturn the treaty gained such momentum that even once the terms of the indemnity had been met, British diplomats refused to leave. One British official in Hong Kong, Robert Montgomery Martin, was overwhelmed by the piracy, disease, corruption, isolation, and other troubles facing the Crown Colony. Quote, the solution Martin proposed to all these problems was simple. End quote. Mun writes, quote, Abandon Hong Kong, retreat from all the treaty ports except Canton, and retain Shushan as a free port. End quote. Even the British Foreign Secretary authorized his representative to negotiate the permanent cession of Joshan as a colony. The fate of Joshan became tied to another unresolved dispute from the war, residency in Canton. Although the British believed it was negotiated in the treaty, Qing officials refused to allow foreign residents full access to Canton City. British negotiators traded acknowledgement of that right for British evacuation from Joshan, which finally took place in June and July, 1846. Perhaps underscoring the point for those who felt leaving Joshan was a mistake, the concession did little good, and disputes over residence in Canton would eventually contribute to the Second Opium War in 1858. The history of Hong Kong has become so central to China's relations with not only Britain but the West, it is worth remembering that like everything else in history, its fate depended on a series of decisions, made and not made, and their unintended consequences. One wonders, if things had gone just a little differently, would Joshan now be the focus of one country, two systems, and a controversial retrocession? <laughs>